Hello, and welcome to the Ink Attention Podcast. This is Sam Stoddard, your host, with Mac Ray Super. <laughs> That's the, the most... That was the... This is the quiet storm with Sam Stoddard intro. <laughs> What's wrong with that? You're always Fine. way more enthusiastic. Yeah, you're always a little bit... You're always like, Hey, welcome to the Ink Attention Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Stoddard. 45, 45, 45, 45, 50. It is the middle of the day on a Saturday. So you're like a little tired. A little tired. Maybe been shopping today. Went to the mall. No, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Take a bath with some nice candles. That sounds like a good idea, but I did not do like that. A good idea. Right. My bathtub is not in a condition where that would be very. <laughs> awesome. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's just. It's I, just I, covered in a film. I can't quite. <laughs> right. I'm in a if du- I lit candles, everything might catch no, fire. No, I'm, I'm in a duplex. Because there's an oily residue everywhere. I'm in a duplex, and so the bathroom that I have is not originally a bathroom, and so the tub is very small, and the, you know, so it's like... Fair enough. So not, let, let's, let's talk about magic. Wait, hold on. That's Cranny, I'm Ruben. Okay, now we can go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into hashtags. We've got a bunch of stuff to talk about today. Uh, hashtags PT Honolulu. We got Facebook Fantasy Draft, right? Which is related. Yeah, sure. Related sure. Facebook sub hashtag uh, Yo MTG Crane Star City Richmond with a bunch of other sub hashtags under it. Star City Cincinnati Preview slash Pregame um, DKA Nicknames Dark Ascension Pre-release, and then we're gonna talk a little bit about some of the events and stuff that we're gonna be at. So that's what I got. So so just. The, the pregame, because I think about pregame, I think about getting just really drunk. Because that's the only kind of pregaming I've ever done. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about this first then. Uh, last night, J.K.L. Uh, uh, and Scotty Mack, like, Scotty Mack posted a picture. He's, he's from the A-Team podcast, um, and he's from Canada, and he's going to come into Cincinnati for the uh, Star City Cincinnati, which is next weekend, February right. something or other. Um, and he posted a picture that had 12 tall boys. And he's just like, yeah, well, I'm drinking. And then Jake Howell's like, well, I'm going to be playing in the mocks. And so, like, I'm going to drink too. So why don't, we, why don't we both drink on Skype? And so they had, like, a little Skype party. And uh, they're just pre-gaming, getting ready for Star City Cincy. Because obviously the bridge guys and, uh, you know, pretty much anybody else who associates with them are going to be getting crazy at uh, J. Cal's place. Okay, I cannot decide if that is awesome <laughs> or, like, the most depressing thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, the idea of it getting drunk over Skype. If I wasn't if I wasn't watching a movie, I, I wanted to get on it. Like, I, I felt like... But you don't drink. It doesn't matter. Like, I could have pretended. But it's the actual act of... It's like <laughs> it's a lot easier to pretend to drink over Skype. That is true. That is true. Oh, man, I'm so wasted. You just get some, like, ice cubes, and you're like, clang, clang, clang. Yeah. What are you drinking? <laughs> oh, I'm drinking some uh, $400 bottle scotch. Clink, 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 clink. <laughs> Obviously doing video we just, chat, we just though, right? pop right. up with this Dom Perignon. Pop. Boop. <laughs> and it just seems like... Because, you know, I, I've, like, done Skype stuff, and I just imagine, like, staring at other people who are all just drinking... Would just be the most like yeah. awkward and embarrassing. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome, isn't it? Hey, what's yeah. up? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so but yeah, uh, Star City Cincinnati is gonna have a lot of pre-gaming though because it's gonna be in Cincinnati and J. Cal and there will be that. pre-gaming for it though. Yeah, like you know, Star Star City Cincinnati's right on our doorstep. It's about an hour and twenty minutes from our place if on a on a bad day. So Sam and Ruben aren't gonna be able to make it because they have family slash girlfriend things to do, but I'm going to come, and I actually might play, 
uh, in my first big tournament in a while. I'm going to play in the Lyceum Sunday. Um, so I may as well talk about the deck that I'm going to be running, because uh, mm-hmm. I did talk about a little bit about it uh, earlier in the week. Uh, I'm going to try to run Counterbalance, because I think it's a pretty good deck right now. Um, I want to run a bunch of main deck removal spells, because the Temple decks kind of propose a little bit of a problem. The Delver decks are pretty popular. Stoneforge Mystic is uh, still going pretty strong. And, you know, th- I just think it's a good deck right now, even though there's not a lot of combo, there's a lot of decks that re- revolve around casting one and two drops, which is where Counterbalance is usually pretty good. So um, I'm probably going to run Esper of that, and because uh, that's what I'm most comfortable with. The, I'm going to run um, Frexian Dreadnought as my token condition alongside Bob. Just one. Um, I, I've, I've never, like, I've always preferred the green versions of Counterbalance. I, I do not like Rug Counterbalance at all. Not necessarily not Rug, but just like, you know... Uh, Something with Tarmogoyf, basically. Yeah, and that's Blue, white, green, like Bant, yeah. Yeah, Bant. I, I think that those are kind of like do-nothing decks. I'd rather I'd rather be resolving Dark Confidence than Fair. the other cards. Even like Tarmogoyf, I think, is just kind of not that impressive to me. Um, he, he's trying to fight an uphill battle right now. Right, what I'm most worried about is when you have decks like um, Maverick, right? Mm-hmm. That's the kind of deck I think that's going to be the most trouble. Yeah. Because, you know, you have to... I mean, do you have to one-for-one one all their guys? Well, no, yeah, Maverick is definitely a real problem. I mean, I think you have to get counterbalance online. The, the, the thing about Maverick is, as long as you're running enough removal, if you could get CBT online, which is like the, the counterbalance top, you don't really have to worry about, like, a punishing fire ever having to, to resolve. Like, you're really only worried about swords to postures. Um, so I think if, if your late game is so much better than theirs... Because they're kind of just like play a bunch of two twos and three threes and knights and stuff if they run knights. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a great matchup, but like any deck that's trying to win with the combat step is the kind of matchup that I want to play. Like I, I don't want to play against Merfolk. I, I mean, no, obviously. Um, I would prefer that I not have to play against like even a deck like Hive Mind because it's not the best matchup for you. Well, you can't counter the zeros, and, exactly. you and the threes are really hard. Exactly. Um, you know, show and and the tell, sixes. Well, well, it was really bad when Show <laughs> was, was started getting popular. I played it a lot online, and I was doing really really well with it until Hive Mind and really any of the Emrakul decks became good because yeah. I just couldn't be the Show and Tell. So that's what I'm going to play. Um, there's going to be a, a lot of people there. I mean, it's unseasonably warm in yeah. Ohio. Uh, we are now, it's like February 3rd today, and the entire month of January, I think we had a total of like three inches of snow for the entire month. Um, right now, it's at least 40 degrees, which, you know, is pretty amazing. It's usually about 10, and we've got a foot of snow, and I'm having to call to cancel the, the podcast or whatever, because right. we don't want people to, you know, get out there and drive. As it is, he has to cancel the podcast for some other reason, so he has <laughs> to use his imagination. Sure, sure. Yeah. Interesting fact, uh, the Department of Agriculture has changed the zone of what Col- of what Columbus to be uh, a zone warmer, so you can grow bananas here now. <laughs> but if you really wanted to, you could, if you wanted to grow bananas, you can leave them outside for half the year in, in Columbus, Ohio. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, so is, that, is that something that like the Department of Agriculture allows bananas to grow? I don't know. Like, like if you planted a banana tree last year, like you know, nothing would happen. This year, they just they went by well, and just like, 
There's, it's not, that, it's not that you're allowed, I mean, you're like, allowed like, to try and grow whatever like you want. Like, did they purchase the upgrade? Were they like, did they have enough points to like purchase the upgrade in their little game or just like, I got bananas now? I, I'm not, I'm not sure that's how it works. I'm pretty sure the way it works is you're allowed to try and grow whatever you want, but they, they're saying that now you can feasibly do it. I, can, I bet you there are fruit we can't, we can't grow here, like legally. I'm sure there is, but. Well, I mean, like probably, you know, well, I don't like know. Like Obviously, yeah, you can't really go that year. Sure, oh, I gotta just I keep. I gotta keep pulling us. I don't know if we us back durian. Then. I want to. If if, if, <laughs> if I can grow durian, I would have a durian farm, and I would I just know what durian is. I don't. I don't, want you to I don't know what durian, durian is. Either, oh, so they'll turn it into a magic card at some point, and we'll know what durian is because we'll see it in the art. <laughs> okay, it's funny side side note about entom- or entomology, etymology, etymology. etymology. Um, Mark's son was studying for the GRE. Entomology is the study of large of, talking of, of, trees. Insects. Oh, no, and, and, Oh, okay. <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, Mark Sun was studying for the GRE, and he came over, he, he got like 500 flashcards, and he came over after his first day of studying, he was doing 100 a day before he did the, the test, and he's like, man, it's insane on how many words I know because of magic. He's like, you know, with extirpate and insidious yeah. and you know whatever, and he's like naming off all these card names. He's like, oh yeah, I know exactly what that is. So he showed me the flashcards, and it really was half of the names were magic card names. I imagine that some part of development is is like, well, what are we going to call this uh, this blue wizard guy? Let's go into the you know the adjective section. Okay, he's you know scrupulous no. thing is, scholar. Yeah. You can just make stuff up of that. The hard part. Are like the red instance. Yeah, wait, there's <laughs> only so many words for fire. Detonate, because like the first year there was like detonate, and they're like incinerate, and they're like lightning bolt, flare, lightning, lightning like, rift, lightning shot. Jesus Christ! Now they pretty much always have to be proper noun followed by what the name is. So they'll, you know, it's like Yamabushi's flame. That's yeah. a pretty good. That's a pretty yeah. good uh, formula. You could probably just do, you know, Vencer's dart. Could be <laughs> sure. And they talk about how that. horrible Legends was. Not be- just because it was a bad set, because they used all kinds of awesome names for, like, random, do-nothing, horrible yeah. cards. Like, Silhouette. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Land Equilibrium. That card's cool. Equinox. Yeah, Equinox got put, got printed, and it, like, uh, what does it do? It's, like, I think it's a white enchantment that, like, taps to counter a spell that would destroy a land or enchant a land you control or something. Like, they could have had an awesome card called Equinox. Instead, they have that. Forever. Rust. Oh, we're just going to put this card in here. <laughs> you know, like they used all. They went through and used all the good names, and so now they're like, live that fallout forever. Well, to be fair, they they found a couple of gems in Dark Ascension. They did. Uh, there's Black Cat, which is a gem that they managed to pick out. Okay, foils are five dollars now. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, just because, just for the novelty of it, people people want to own foil black cats. Uh, and it foils up real nice. Sanctum yeah. Cat, too. People want Sanctum Cats. Uh, Sanctuary Cat. Sanctuary Cat, yes. So, uh, obviously, the, this, going to the Star City event is going to be awesome, but uh, the bigger event that's coming up here is Pro Tour Honolulu. So, may as well just go right into our next subject. So, um, yeah, they're in a nice beach. Uh, you know, a lot of house. people have a beach house. Probably enjoying their lives a fair bit more than we are. So Pro Tour Honolulu coming up this weekend. Standard should be a good format. Better than uh, better than playing standard in Columbus, Ohio, in our unseasonably crummy weather. 
So I thought it was like warm weather. weather. Well, but it's still crummy. I mean, it is still crummy. It's, it's, it's like yeah, drizzly degrees. and yeah, it's like spitting. Yeah, yeah. So we've had a very long March. Yeah, that's, that's we've actually had March the last two and a half months. Yeah, I, I'm okay if if this is what it's like the rest of February. I'm okay with it. Anyway, Pro Tour Honolulu. Um, any uh, any any thing to remark on that? I mean. Obviously, the first this is going to be the first uh, time that Dark Ascension is legal for any large tournament. Right, and it's like really close after the release of Dark Ascension too. So I don't know how card av- how card availability is going to affect a tournament in Hawaii. That's a, that's a good point. I mean, you know this I mean? isn't this isn't like a la- uh, landlocked. Yeah, it's not like that. There's just infinite dealers that are going to be able to come into. Well, there are you know, no dealers, right? Because the pro tours are private. Right? Well, sure, no. but there, there, I think uh, I understand there's going to be like two dealers there. Okay. Uh, it, but there could have been people coming in from out of town at like hotels and card shops and stuff. Right. My understanding is that they still want dealers, but there is now the issue of like, how do we get dealers? Like, I, I this part will be very interesting. Uh, I don't know who's going to be the dealers there, um, but you know, you're only. First of all, selling cards to, you know, a max of like 500 people. I think it's four, uh, maybe high 300s, low 400s. Mm. That's how many people are going to be there. That's all the people you can sell cards to. Um, luckily, this is standard and they don't have to take as much stuff. I mean, you could imagine how much more awkward it would be for a modern pro tour showing up and being like, well, someone comes up and they say, hey, do you have – no, you know. And, and especially when you're looking at Honolulu, which, you know, if you want to get one of the big vendors to come – you know, how is a big vendor going to bring a lot of card stock? Yeah, it is well, expensive to ship stuff, you know, over the Pacific Ocean. I mean, what do you do if, if all the you know, people say, hey, man, did you realize that having Lich is actually just, you know, the best card you could possibly have? And all of a sudden, you know, 75 players want to add it to their... Hopefully Wizards has boosters. Well, hopefully, but I mean, is it? We're definitely. I shouldn't say. My understanding we, is there are uh, several shops very close to the venue. That's good. So, like, worst case scenario, they can like people can. Uh, but like, you buying anything in the morning of is going to be terrifying. Do you remember the last Honolulu was Shards Block constructed? By the way, one of the worst constructed formats of all time. <laughs> and the, one of the break of cards was um, Earl the Miststalker. Yes. Which was going for $35 on the floor. That was like a you know, like $4 rare that was $35 at the Pro Tour because there, you know, there, there weren't any. There weren't any. There have been other events, like there was a world in Japan where everyone decided they want to play Tidings, and none of the dealers brought Tidings. So what happened? Tidings were like $12, $15, and dealers were just busting boxes. There was a Pro Tour where Yavi Maya Barbarian, which was a common, was $5 a piece on the floor. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, they, you literally had to bust packs to get them. Yeah. Because, right. you know, for, for a vendor, you don't only want to bring so many commons. You, you know, you, you just don't make any money off them. They cost money to bring. You know, you're realistically, if you're selling a common for like 50 cents, you know, you're, you know, over your entire, you know, your entire common inventory, if you bring enough of them, you're probably breaking even on all the work and effort it takes to get them. You just want to have them there so people can buy them, so they'll buy more stuff at your shop. I feel like this would be, like, if you were one of the West Coast guys that, like, you know, hopping a plane over to Hawaii wouldn't be a big deal. Like, maybe As a big of a deal, sure. Like, I, I would just load up. It's still a, a big deal. It's still a pretty big deal. I mean, but, but, but yeah, but... 
this seems like a huge opportunity. Like, okay, fine. Well, you know, if there's two dealers on site, I'll bring ten cases of Dark Ascension. Right, but even at that, you're still, like, you still don't really want to bring that many commons. Like, it's still not that... Do you know what it costs? Like, well, it's not, not that good equity. When's the last time you flew, flew on a plane? A long time. I'm sure that it costs infinite. You're, you're, like, you're totally the, right. The, 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 there was a time, like, I remember going to uh, Puerto Charlotte, or Charleston, which wasn't, like, you know, that far, but I, I brought, like... Is that the team pro Yeah, team? I brought, like, every single card for Champions. Yeah, I, I, I Champions are, I just had all those cards, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, my, my bag was, like, 75 pounds. Like, it was, like, just under the minute. I had to, like, take one uh, long box, not a long box, but, like, one of those, just, like, one-row boxes in my carry-on just to meet the weight requirement. But, like, the weight requirement has dropped by, like, 25 pounds, mm-hmm. and additional, you know, additional... Uh, bags are like $50, $75. Not to mention the fact that um, I don't know if you've packed a bunch of cards into a bag and tried to move them through an airport, but uh, seeing as the the security is so much higher, cards packed together that tightly looks a little suspicious in the x-ray. That's interesting. But, I mean, it's not a huge deal. I mean, once they open it up and they're like, ha-ha, these apparently are, you know... Pokemon cards or oh, something foils because look they really insane yeah. under an X-ray. <laughs> or catch fire, one of the two. No, I'm kidding. They don't actually. But I'm <laughs> sure we would have heard about that. <laughs> yeah. But the, the point is, it's like you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, I'm sure we would have heard about that. But it's still, it's still not the easiest thing, especially when you're flying to Hawaii, which is so, still far, far away. So let's talk about what what does the landscape for standard look like? Well, I mean, what, what? Wizards has done an interesting thing, which is they've. Uh, given us this new uh, little game program thing on Facebook to fantasy draft the format, basically. And so instead of everyone having, you know, everyone... A spreadsheet, having, a Google document. Yeah, exactly, about, like, I think this card's going to see more play. Well, I think this archetype's going to see more play. Well, I think this guy's going to win. You know, they have a... They have taken that and they've decided, you know what, people like fantasy football. People will like this. And indeed they do. They let you do archetypes all the way down. No, they no, don't no. do archetypes. Oh, but okay. they, they, what they, the, the things that you can choose are uh, planeswalker. You get one of each. You get one of each of these cards: planeswalker, small creature, medium creature, big creature, mm-hmm. artifact, enchantment, instant, sorcery, and then as the tiebreaker, you pick a player. Hmm. So you you basically fantasy draft the format. So. I've, uh, so you can, uh, you know, just decide what you think is going to be the most popular. Now, I don't so know. Like, it would you be, think be it's Soren, be like, Seance, Faithless Looting. Right. No. But you can pick anything from the whole format. So you sure, can be like sure. Soren, you know, Intangible Virtue, uh, uh, Dissipate, you yeah, know, that kind yeah. of thing. So, you know, uh, everyone has their own. I mean, a lot of them are going to be very similar. Sam and I were discussing ours earlier, and a couple of them we've we've agreed on. For example, Small Creature is going to be Delver. Yeah. Medium creature somehow is Snapcaster Mage. I don't know how that's not a small creature. I, b- I believe that they somehow... It looked to me like, like small two. creature was like... Uh, I don't know if it was the power toughness or the casting cost. Mm-hmm. It must be casting cost because Beguiler of Wills was qualifying as a big creature. Yeah, it's, I think it's like... So. Uh, like one is small, uh, two, two to three, three is medium. Sure. I think bigger than that is large. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so then uh, we disagreed on the big creature, though. Um, I picked the I picked Primeval Titan. And I said Sun Titan. No, I think I'm going to change that in uh, hindsight. So I don't know what's going to be the bit. I think Prime Time. Prime Time's pretty there. close. I was thinking about changing it to Inferno Titan, 
um, because I think that that card is pretty good against a deck full of X1s. And I yeah. agree that casting an Infernal Titan is awesome. I just don't know what the other uh, 56 cards in your deck are that make that good. Yeah, fair enough. So then um, we agreed on Artifact. We agreed on Ratchet Bomb, which was a little surprising to me that, pew, that, pew. that we didn't both you know, disagree because I thought that one of us would have picked Sword of War and Peace or something I'm, like that. I'm on the Sword of War and Peace. Yeah. One, I think. So I was, Ratchet Bomb's I, very good. That was sort of hedging I, I just think that, that we're going to see so many cyborged Ratchet Bombs. Every, almost every archetype is going to have cyborged Ratchet Bombs, except probably tokens because, you know. Sure. So we also both agreed on the enchantment, which was intangible virtue. Yeah, that that card that would be the one that I would just like buy up all that I could and bring and, and, and like you know you have a friend going like uh, we have uh, our friend John Johnson qualified and so he's he's leaving to go there. I'm just going to mail him 15 tangible virtues and be like, yeah. you owe me half of whatever you sell these for. Now <laughs> I actually I'm sure it's two hundred dollars. I actually think I'm probably going to change mine to um, honor the pure. Yeah, it was close for honor the pure. With me too, because uh, a lot of it, there, it, there's a lot more humans decks showing up. Yeah, and that it, plays honor. Yeah. So, I mean, because your goal here, uh, they, we don't know the exact number of decks they're looking at, but they said that you know they're going to look at the top decks and the top standard decks, and whoever uh, you know, you get that many points per card. Like a planeswalker is worth five points. For a planeswalker, if you say Soren and there's twelve Sorens, then you get sixty points. No, but we don't know how many decks it is. I don't know if it's top eight or if it's they're going to do it. They don't have to be top eight, right? Well, no, because the thing is that they're doing the top standard decks. They're not including people's limited records. Yeah, yeah. And so it could be one of those things where they go every deck that went, you know... X and one. X2 or X2 better. X2 and better. Or sure. X2, huh. one and better. That's interesting. Yeah. Look at it. So the other... Uh, there's also... You can also pick sorceries. I picked Black Sun Zenith. And you picked... Ponder. Ponder. Faithless Looting. And you think it's faithless looting? Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's one that there's a lot of room for for you know. It could be Green Sun Zenith. Could be you know. Uh, yeah, Zenith. Any is number of really good. Any number of burn right spell. Yeah. You know, it's a sorcery speed. You know, or a Day of Judgment. You know, so that sorcery is a real wild card that people aren't really agreeing on. And I was kind of going through all the Phyrexian mana stuff first. Ah. And there's not a lot of really great Phyrexian mana sorceries. Fair enough. Yeah. Which brings us to the instance which Sam said, gut shot. Well, Which I disagree. Is pretty interesting. I don't think that deck's as good anymore. Like, I think I'm probably... Which deck? I don't think that the... I think the deck Dumber that Gut Shot is good against. Well, uh, but I think Deck Shot, uh, it's also good against humans. Not, at, not that good. I mean, it kills it, champions, and then what? It doesn't really kill champions, either. Yeah, like, you have well, to... Well, it kills a turn one. Sure. It just doesn't kill a lot. And it kills a Delver turn one, one too. God forbid they just have an Anthem effect out, then, you, right. then it yeah. kills nothing. Yeah, the question yeah. is, like, what, you know, a lot of cards I pick end up being sideboard cards because it's like, right. you know, they're going to show up in deck sideboards, yeah. and I think a lot. I think I feel like a lot of decks would play that in their sideboards. So it's not necessarily that it's the best card. Like, right. like I would say that White Sun Zenith would be the card that I want to play right now. Um, but I don't think that I, I would choose White right, Sun Zenith because so you're only running like two of those yeah, in exactly. a deck, and they go in a very specific right. archetype. Whereas I picked Manalik. So yeah, every Manly's deck that you have, you have White Sun Zenith in, you're probably running four Mana Leaks if you're playing a control deck. Plus, Mana Leak goes in this deck and this deck and this deck. So it's, that's it's why really interesting Manly. to draft the format as opposed to doing yeah. a player fantasy draft. Right. Because it was, it was interesting when I asked you, I said, you know, what, is, what does the format look like? And you're like, well, let's look at how they're structuring the fantasy draft. It does really paint a picture of what the format looks like, yeah, yeah. Well, while, we, while I think White Sun Zenith is the best instant you can be casting, there's probably going to be a lot of mana leaks. Right, and there's a Delver lot of mana leaks, there's a, a lot of, there's a lot of vapor snags, obviously, but, you know, 
people are going to be running if if the format new like if the format turned itself towards a white sun zenith format there's still only going to be so many decks that can run white sun zenith mm-hmm. and those decks are only going to run so many copies yeah you know so and then the last category I saved it for last because I think it's an interesting well no that's right there's two more there's uh uh there's the player which which player did you pick LSV oh. I picked LSV also <laughs> yeah so like you could have picked Watanabe, I suppose I don't know how you know Turtonwall. I mean, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Oh, and um, Connie's on a Connie's on a run that. Run I, I mean, I, and I heard a couple of people pick Chapin because he's been in on, on an okay run too. Yeah. But I think LSV. I mean, if you're not going to pick that one, you're you're going on a limb. Yeah, I I agree. I definitely agree. So the last one that I saved for last is interesting to me because I think that it's going to really shape who does well, um, which is Planeswalker. Hmm. And there are two camps. Okay. You're either picking Soren, or you're picking something that isn't Soren. <laughs> what are your options? I pick Liliana. Okay, small Liliana. All I right. pick small Liliana, and and Sam picks Soren. Sam picks Soren. Now I pick Liliana because I let me rephrase. I didn't pick Soren because Soren goes in one deck, mm-hmm. and I think that that deck is good, and I think that that deck probably runs four Sorens. I just don't know how many players are going to play that deck and how good those players are going to do. Sure. Whereas I know Liliana goes in at least four different other types of decks. Yeah. Okay, including so one that we, we we don't know if it'll go in the mono black aggro or mono black control decks yet. So, so what, are the, what, are the, what are some other uh, options that, I mean, what would you even put in the, as the top five Planeswalkers that you uh, could even play right now? I, I like so, okay, so I like good. I like Garrick Relentless right yeah, now. Garrick we haven't seen a lot of lately. We haven't seen a lot of yeah. and it's pretty good and it's splashable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a couple decks that I'd seen that were running Chandra the Firebrand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I've seen her a little bit. So Sorn's Vengeance. Yeah, with the, with the, yeah, with the twenty U turn. Yeah. Um, and so I mean, it's possible we could see Big Garrick. Um, I miss the days of states recently where Big Garrick was the card. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. seems so long ago that everyone was running Big Garrick. That's true. Um, and then Soren Markov was in the finals of the most recent GP, mm-hmm. but there was only one copy, yeah. so it's not like we're going to see infinite of him. Now, know? with with cards like Ratchet Bomb being better, I mean, do we have any possibility of being able to see Tezzeret? an artifact deck and see Tezzeret make a splash? Uh, Is he just not good because of Ancient Garage? I think if you're playing an artifact deck, you're just going to play Temper Steel. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. So and if you're playing blue black, you're playing blue black. Does a deck like Tempered Steel can it take advantage of Sorn Markov or Sorn um, Lord Vinistrad? I don't think so. See, I think that the it only could way as a curve topper, like as a two of, I think that I would probably go with Sorn more than I would with Small Eliana, because I think that while Sorn is really good in the token deck, I think that he does have a potential to to be like a, a mini Elspeth. Yeah. Um, oh no, and, he's definitely like, a lot like and like El- and like Esper control or something that like I could definitely see an Esper deck just running a couple of those like hey well look I have no co conditions except Snapcaster Mage and I'm gonna run a couple Sorns because like well let's face it the guys block like a champ yeah and if you don't play threats and like I day judge right. you're just not resolving your creature the rest of the game exactly yeah because you can just because those guys have life link and so they can sort of stave off you know random Sun Titans for example things like that yeah um. Yeah, I can see that, but, well, first of all, the Tempered Steel point. Tempered Steel has a hard enough time getting white mana mm. that I don't think that they're going right, to be able yeah. to splash black. Like, you know, I've seen enough times where they're just, like, have, like, Contested Warzone 
and it's like two total <laughs> artifacts, one of them being their Mox Opal, and they're just like want to die. You know what I mean? Well, and plus they they're one of the few decks that probably will not be able to take advantage of um, Evolving Wilds coming back. Yeah. That's just like... Oh, that was the land, was we both picked yeah. Evolving Wilds. I, I would say Evolving Wilds, I think honorable mention to Vol the Archangel. Um, I'm I not don't sure think how many decks are going to... Again, this is a Soren thing. Yeah. yeah, but like, the reason I don't want... I think it's more powerful. The reason why I would never pick uh, Vol the Archangel is that you're going to see it as two of in the deck. That's what I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, if, if you're going to pick a, a non-Evolving Wilds land, you pick something like... Um, Sulfur Falls. Well, probably not sulfur. Something like that. I wonder, say it, I wonder if they'll do it like because that's kind of awkward. Doesn't that like always skew the way that the that the fantasy draft plays out? That like probably you know if every deck is only going to run two dissipate, but it's the best. It's the best instant that you or like oh two white suns enough for instance. Yeah. Like how do you how do you compensate for that? Like it's it's the right number. It's really powerful, but like. You know, it's there, never in this be format the fact that of this, in this format of fantasy draft, there's no way to compensate for that. Yeah, but there's no need to. And yeah, there's no need to because it's a different game. Sure. Well, I'm definitely excited to to watch the Pro Tour stuff unfold. Yeah, We've I'm very really interested to see. Lately. Yeah, it's true. Sorry, continue. Well, I was just gonna say like that. You know, it's it's gonna fall on a weekend where people are gonna be doing a lot of stuff. It's Valentine's Day, or whatever. But um. You know, I, I, I think that the we talked about how good the coverage has been, and uh, if you have a group of players that really enjoys watching um, Pro Magic or watching like Star City stuff, you should get people together to watch it because it's a lot of fun. Like, uh, and we have the the brand new Pro Tour coverage. Yeah, that everyone seems to have forgotten that Wizards is completely redoing their Pro Tour coverage, yeah. which is fantastic. Also, uh, another interesting tidbit for you: uh, this one non-banana related. Uh, the week after the Super Bowl is when most of the big screen TVs go on sale because everyone buys them and then returns them. So then the week afterwards, they're like, oh, we have all these TVs now. We better put them on sale. So you can buy yourself a new TV, put it on the big screen, and have your friends over. There we actually, um, to segue into another topic, um, we like to talk about the guest spots that we're on if we're ever on a show that, um, you know, like we, we really like uh, the shows that we listen to. And we try to talk about them as much as we can because I like to promote the podcasting community because obviously if you're listening to us, you like listening to podcasts and right. you know you should listen to other podcasts because they, there's a lot of good stuff going on. Either if you want to listen to a, a podcast that's more on the comedic side uh, or the zany side, like you know the other podcasts that we've talked about, or if you want to get more into strategy, you know the limited resources, those kinds of those kinds of podcasts. Um, you definitely should check them out. The whole MTG Cast network is just like amazing. They have a ton of stuff on there. There's there's so many there's so many shows that you couldn't listen to them all if you wanted to. But um, I was on your MTG Taps with uh, Joey Pasco, and we actually talked about how awesome it is, like how how um, the coverage has really like lent lent like. Like breathe new life into like this this entertainment format that like four or five years ago we couldn't turn on you know the TV and watch you know a top eight of an event or watch you know like Sam's going to do um, coverage for Star City Live right? yeah and, and like that's that's really Star City Live that sounds weird SCG Live and um, I mean that's amazing that like you know we have like such a such a big game and so many people that follow it that we have full blown commentators that you know. And Sam would say something because, like, I, I feel like this is like really cool. 
<laughs> and you probably have a lot. Well, to if you would shut up for five seconds, yeah. get a word in. Well, here's sure. the thing about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, <laughs> no, go ahead, please. No, I, I, I think it's great, and this is something that has been coming for a while. Not even, not even just magic. The entire idea of like game uh, coverage, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, it, obviously, it took off really big in Korea, where there's like three television channels just for StarCraft. Sure. But have you ever heard of uh, Brewcraft? No. That is where people get together and drink and watch StarCraft. <laughs> and, like, uh, people who don't even play StarCraft watch StarCraft. I think Peter Johnson just does that every day. Mark Larson. Uh, Mark, Mark Larson. Mark Larson yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> One of my favorite, most loud people in the world. Uh, he, you know, he loves it. And it's just something where, uh, you know, it, it's like any sport. You know, I, I think there's a point where um, these things get marketed very much as, like, you know, you, you know, only people who are, who play it can can watch it. And now they've they've done a good job of trying to sort of make it so that even people who are less less knowledgeable can watch it. And you know, you know, working on things to make it more interesting. I mean, if you look at the the very first uh, GG's Live when they started doing it, mm. it was not the first person time anyone had ever televised something, but it's you know the first major effort towards making it into a big thing. Mm-hmm. Look at that versus what they have now, versus what Star City has now. What everyone had, uh, you know. Having different angles, having you know, uh, dealing with all the the physical problems you deal with when you have um, a game you're, you're you're trying to report on. I mean, do you know how much uh, football was like helped out when they added that that line? The line, yeah. That, I mean, that totally revolutionized football. Yeah, you know, and other sports like hockey has um, a little. The trail that follows the puck. And well, it used to. That didn't really work. No, but it has, like, you know, it highlights the puck because yeah, right. it's very hard to tell where the puck is sometimes. Yeah. And so, you know, you, if you're someone who is not super informed on it, you're just like, oh. Yeah, what's going on? Or, like, golf. I watch golf and I'm like, what? Where is the ball? Yeah. Like, if I actually see someone hit a shot, I actually golf as much as I can in the summer. I never see where my ball goes. I'm like, I think it went straight. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's something where and they're doing better at it of, you know, making it so that, uh, you know, you get more of the drama of the personal. It's not just like seeing the, the card there and then this other card comes on and the other well, card goes to the graveyard. I mean, trying to play up the, the, the more, you know, people doing stuff and, and, and seeing the game from an, an angle of competitiveness, not just like the game is occurring. No, that's huge, too, because it's another form of entertainment. It's another way to get enjoyment out of magic where you know before it was like you're either a casual or you're competitive you either like go to ptqs and grind or you like play at the kitchen table and uh and now you can i mean there's a, a million different ways that you can have fun playing magic i mean I, we're, we're podcasting right now and uh we're on a eight by three eight foot by three foot table and there are like little stalagmites of piles of carbs um Slight tights from the top, slight my bottom. Slight, yeah. Um, I was just peeking through in my head. There's Sorry. probably 10,000 cards strewn about uh, the basement because I'm in the middle of sorting a bunch of commons and uncommons. And I, I get enjoyment out of that. Like, it's it's very fun to me. But, you know, like the Star City Circuit has, like, created this whole new genre of entertainment for Magic where, you know, maybe, maybe you want to just watch people play Magic because you want to get better in your game. Or maybe you just want to watch pros play or maybe you just want to listen to guys like sam talk about magic from the you know from the current format back to what magic was like you know 10 years ago you know it's it's really it's it's lent credibility to the the game like as an entertainment platform 
or I shouldn't say uh, the, that that platform as an entertainment platform. And also, it's really made being involved in, in high-level play more exciting. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I agree. Yeah. And it's also created celebrity, which I think is really important in the formation of any... Not the formation, the... Um, continued growth of any hobby into sport, Mm -hmm. which is people who are recognizable and voices who are recognizable. You know, you, you, you definitely look forward to certain, uh, announcers in football, just like you'd look forward to certain announcers in, in watching your MTG coverage. And there are some announcers in football that I hate, like Brent Musburger, (laughs) you know? So like, you know, it, 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 and you'll, you'll be more apt to listen to people that you want to listen to. Um, that would not be Sam for me because I sit next to this idiot right. four times <laughs> right. a week. But maybe you out there don't get a chance to listen but, to him drone things, on about the old days. No, I'm kidding. There's other things, too, where uh, the new thing that has really taken off in the magic community over the last few months has been live streaming. Mm-hmm. We did one. We probably need to do more, but my motor collection is kind of in shambles right now. Um, but it, it's like... That is something else where people have, uh, and there's a few people like, that, that are just huge devotees of it, is they really enjoy being able to stream their matches. That, you know, AJ Satcher today live streamed a PTQ. That's huge. And he, he went all the way to the top eight and continued to stream it. Right. And it's, you know, there's a certain, like, you know, you have to have a certain amount of, like, well, I, you know, it, it works very, it, it's been doing very well for a while in games like StarCraft. Again, another game, I mean, you know, I'm just going to bring up StarCraft because it's a game that really, uh, was one of the first games to really break, you know, computer games or, you know, to break over this barrier. You know, it was really big as it was live streaming on StarCraft. Now, the advantage kind of in StarCraft is that it's so fast-paced that if you were trying to take advantage of it, it you know, it the advantage is, is mitigated by the fact that you know where you're, you know, what your uh, opponent is doing and you have an idea of where, you know, units are going. Is also kind of, you know, mitigated by the fact that if you're not paying attention to, you, to what you're doing, mm-hmm. then, you know, stuff's going to go real bad for you. Yeah. Uh, Magic doesn't have that same issue where you can, you know, you have all, you know, not all the time in the world, but you have a lot of time to make decisions, and so you can look at your opponent's hand and go, uh, maybe I should do this. Should I mulligan? Click on their stream. Mm, nah, I could probably beat that hand. Well, uh, but something kind of awkward happened where AJ's smart enough, uh, actually Drew Levin pointed this out, that he takes the stream down when he goes on sideboarding, and he actually accidentally left it up when he went into the first game of the top eight when he was doing the sideboard, and basically, if you if you know what your opponent boarded out, and you do something like surgical extraction, you can you can deduce what's in their hand by watching their stream. Because uh, you'd be like, well, he boarded these cards out. Like this is what he has left in his library. This is what's in his graveyard. And you can actually just play a perfect game of magic, like with perfect information. Well, I, I think more so even than that is um, if you know what your opponent's boarding out, you can do what might be an incorrect sideboarding strategy. Sure, yeah. But, or it's know, always removal in or something, and you just, even if it's wrong, board your guys out or something. Right, something like that. Where, you know, you you have a you know, a cyborg strategy that would require them to do something, and you're like, you know, they're, they're like, well, I'm going to bring in, I'm going to take out these things and put in these things, and you're like, oh, well, I'll just leave my deck the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just get advantage of that. So, yeah, I can see where that would be a, probably a good thing to, uh, to, not, to not stream. And, you know, we're still in the infancy of it, and people are going to be working out for a while. Yeah. The etiquette... And, like, you know, because I don't think there's a social stigma against it right now. That I'm sure there will be if it continues to grow. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, um, since we started that beginning there with you wanting to thank someone, perhaps you should do that. 
Here's that thing, Joey. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I, I think it did. Yeah, thanks, oh, for, thanks for having okay. me on the show. I didn't Joey. know if we mentioned uh, UNPG tabs. I don't think we all. did. No, uh, no, I did. I did. Okay. Did we? Uh, well, we, now we did again, so there you go. Uh, so let's get right into our next topic. And we're going to talk a little bit about Star City Richmond. Sam's, Sam's giving me the eye. You got to edit this. I'm going to edit it out. All right, I'll send you the MP3. You can edit the whole thing. <laughs> we're obviously doing it right after the show. No. We just edited out Sam saying a bunch of cuss words in a row. So yeah, yeah, clearly that's what was edited That's out. obviously... Okay, yeah. so uh, Ruben put a couple little sub-hashtags st- sub into this Star City Richmond, which actually is happening right now. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about what we have. This first standard event with the new format, so this may be a little bit uh, foreshadowing for what's going to happen next weekend. So what, what do you got, groups? What's going on? In um, well, the first little thing I have written under there is a little asterisk that has the word Dungrove next to it. Mm. Apparently, Todd Anderson and some of the other more you know, famous players um, on the Star City circuit right now are playing a Dungrove Elder deck that is apparently very good against the field. Mm. I have no idea what else is in the deck. Uh, Sam, you were telling me about I mean, it. has it. elves and... Is there any swords in it? I well, I only saw I saw his one game against Mono Red where his opponent just kind of got awkward hands and stumbled and he died on like turn four both games. Mm. So I don't know what's the all in the deck. Hmm. But it's interesting. You know, we'll we'll be able to see what's you know that hopefully that'll introduce a new nice little wrinkle to the uh, standard meta game. Yeah, uh, to see that, that guy come back. Uh, one of the other problems, or one of the other things that happened is uh, they had uh, some internet problems at their site. So they keep having these, keep having these yeah. internet problems. Well, this one was to do with the site, to be fair. Okay. That's um, and, and usually what happens is, you're right, it's a site where the site's like, you know, you, they, they go to what, uh, 30, 40 different venues a year for yeah. this kind of stuff. And have you ever, you know, gone to, called up a hotel and been like, hey, you guys have blank, right? And they're always sure. like, oh, yeah, we got yeah, it. Yeah, we got it. You know, you go there and you're like, oh, you, you guys have uh, toothbrushes, right? They're just like, yep, we have, uh, you know, this like, it's, but it's never like what you're looking for. It's always like you know, like you guys have cable, right? Yep, we have six channels of cable. Yeah, right. Like really? Well, I, I think it's just what you know. They go to sites and they're just like you know, you guys they have, have internet, a, right? Well, and, and I'm sure that they have certain you know requests for you know what the internet has to be able to do, and whether or not that you know is going to necessarily equal the uh, what's actually happening is different. And, and let's just face it, like if you're trying to sell something like a you know like a convention hall yeah. and they're just like hey you guys have uh, 4 megabits upload right oh yeah yeah we got we got like 28 megabits upload yeah I mean let's face it the, the amount of data that has to be being passed in that room you know to in order for that stream to be able to launch plus not to mention all the administrators and buyers and all that stuff they have to have their computers up and then anybody else who's in the hotel trying to get it it definitely makes sense that there's yeah, going to be the, issues. All the rounds are available on Twitter and stuff like that, too. It, so. it, it, it's a little frustrating. Um, I think, you know, the, the last few times that I've watched Star City Live, I'm, I'm a little frustrated when I turn on the feed and it's like, you know, replays of, like, round two over and over and over. Um, I, I actually wanted to talk just briefly about how uh, how amazing um it was like when the commentators used to just like talk all day like i give i have to give huge props to like uh gavin and jbl and like those guys when they would like they would come in at nine in the morning to start coverage on standard 
and literally not stop talking for 12 hours. Yeah. yeah. Like, any of the commentators, any of them that have done it in the last year and a half before they implemented the, the break, I just want to give a huge shout-out to those guys because that, like, I'm in a job where I have to talk a lot during the day, but after about four hours, I'm I'm pretty spent. Like, I can't do much more talking. I just have to, like, break for a few hours. And uh, so big, big ups there. Anyway... Why don't we get right into the next one, which this one's probably a little more magic-related than anything. Right, so uh, Glenn tweeted at 9.30 this morning, Glenn uh, Jones, Glenn Jones, right? Mm-hmm. It's included Glenn on Twitter. Um, tweeted this morning that they were that Star City Games was sold out of Sword of War and Peace by 9.30 this morning. Wow. Unbelievable. Which is pretty... Which is a lot. I mean, you gotta imagine they brought how many? What seventy-five to a hundred copies? Yeah, they probably had to. They they brought a sizable stack. I'm yeah. sure they they weren't shocked by the fact that people wanted this card, but they still sold out of it that early. Right. The thing is that I've known about this kind of for a while because I follow what's going on in Moto, and you know, whenever a card is worth more on Moto than it is in real life, I'm like, geez, this like you know, when is this card gonna jump? Mm-hmm. You know, I you know, I, uh, for a while it was Elish Norn. Elish Norn was, uh, you know, is is the most expensive card on um, in, in New Phyrexia online, and it has been for a while. It was like you know, it's like twenty some tickets. Um, well, it was for a while. I guess sort of War and Peace, of course, has far eclipsed it. You know, I, I would ask people like, how much? Because like, I don't really follow uh, in, in real life prices very well. And I'm like, what's uh, War and Peace in real life? And they're just like, oh, it's like fifteen. And I'm just like. Yeah, you might want to get some because it's forty tickets, and like there sometimes there's a small gap, but like when it's you know two to three times that, like people have figured it out. Well, th- that one's an interesting one, and and like any third set, um, they're open obviously in much smaller numbers. Did not have a promo printing, and when you when you try to translate it from online to real life, sometimes that gap is different. But I think that that set was open enough that like. If you saw that big of a difference, a ten t- or forty ticket versus ten dollars IRL, then you should be able to say there's something missing. Right. Um, we actually saw, saw it happen in real time. I think you probably watched it on Moto, but Mark Sun actually, we were at an event, and he said we need to we need to pick up Sword of War and Peace, and he's and I'm like okay, well you know what are we paying? He's like well we need to pay twelve dollars. And I'm like twelve dollars because because we had I, I had them in my binder for sale for like eight dollars. Like we're buying them for twelve, and he's like, oh yeah, we need to pick these up. And then I, I'm like, okay, well, I, so I'm like online looking around. Every place is sold out. Like people had started realizing that like this card is going to be really hot. And now we're I think we're kind of starting to see what happened to sort of piece of payment. Um, you know, after Mirror and Besiege had become real big, and people were playing that. We're sort of Feast and Famine, we're going for like 30 and 40. Well, the difference is that Sort of Feast and Famine was out of second set, which means that it was open up more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you generally played one to two copies, right? Sort of War and Peace, you don't have the luxury of being able to play one or two copies. Mm-hmm. So the decks that are playing it are playing three or four copies. Huge. Right, and so it's a Mythic Rare out of the last set that is an artifact that a lot of decks are playing three or four copies of. And it's good in other formats. Right, eh, less so, but... Well, I mean, like Cube and yeah, 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 yeah. It's not like, like sort of Feast Famine is probably more popular in most other formats yeah, than yeah. that. But it's like you know, it, it's just this perfect storm of, of, of things. And you know, uh, on Magic Online, it, one of the reasons it's worth so much was that Magic Online figures the format out much faster than than real life usually. 
And, you know, you just got to run so many events. Like, you think that we see a lot of events with the Star City stuff. I mean, imagine having, you know, I, I think like last week, 42 uh, standard premiere events fired or something. Right. You know, or, uh, it might be dailies plus premieres. But that's, I mean, that is like, that is a lot of events. Yeah. You know, and so you, you, go, you look through decklist, and, you know, it's pretty, it becomes really obvious, okay, the, the Delver decks or the human decks that are playing sort of War and Peace are doing very well. And so, you know, people pick up more of those, and they do better and better and better. And then, you know, by the end of it, but, you know, mode, the Moto metagame was just, like, 100% humans. Uh, a blue-white deck was sort of, uh, of, uh, of War and Peace. Mm. And that's what, it, you know, that's what... Uh, you know, people came into this going, and people were like, you know, well, I, I, all of a sudden now people in real life are just, all, all the, peop- the deck people are really excited about want to play sort of War and Peace, and then, well, you know, you have a little more elasticity with the uh, supply because a lot more of the paper product is opened, mm-hmm. but it's still a mythic, which means that as soon as the, you know, sort of excess supply runs out, the, which the, is what we, right, which is what happened, the price just goes bonkers. So... It would probably be safe to assume that after seeing this happen at the first major event, after Dark Engine is legal, that we're probably going to see Sword of War and Peace probably hit that $25 to $30 mark. That's uh, pretty, yeah, I would agree. You know, and probably stay there for a while. Uh, yeah, I, I think that it might be a little bit higher. It might be a little higher? Sure. I, I, I mean, the thing is that... Third so set tokens and humans, which is huge. We have right. not had a lot of... like. Interestingly enough, we've had Mythics for years, and we have not had a whole lot of third set Mythic popularity problems. <laughs> you know, um, right, well, you know, like, what, Jace the Mind Sculptor, kind of, you know, it's virtually a third set since they had two small sets. Um, but, you know, Shards, of, uh, Shards block was the first set with Mythics. Yeah, we, didn't, we haven't had that format. You're, you're right, right, and so we, you know, this, this, could, this could be a $40 card, this could be a $50 card. You know, maybe not forever, but I mean, th- this is going to see maybe in Honolulu, Honolulu it might oh, be a seventy dollars. Yeah, it might be eighty to hundred in Honolulu. Yeah, because what you're talking about is a card that is more ubiquitous in the format than Planeswalkers are. Yeah, and Planeswalkers are cards any deck. People, I know, maybe just people are willing to pay more for Planeswalkers because of just a, a mental like, you this know, it's a Planeswalker. It's yeah, it, you know, it's yeah, like sure. What does this card do? Well, it does a lot. It does a huge thing. <laughs> Like, everybody in their room could be playing, you know, four Mythic Rare in their sideboard, and it would never be worth as much. Sure. Because right. people just are not willing to put the um, the money in for a sideboard card. Yeah. But, you know, this this card, you know, it could be that if this is the real, you know, if people say this is the real deal, you know, it could just be worth the full amount. And sure. we're just going to see people just complaining about nothing but sort of, uh, of war and pieces and how I used to have four, and then I traded them <coughs> off for... Uh, well, the you other know. thing is, that, you know, to be fair, among the cards that do a decent impression of a Planeswalker, like, Sword of War and Peace does four things. Yeah. Whereas Planeswalkers yeah. do four, you know, four or five things. Like, That's they good. take damage, they have three abilities. Whereas Sword of War and Peace grants relevant protection from two colors and has two abilities, you know. Right. So this is, you know, the other interesting thing that's, uh, that I would make a quick comment on is we haven't really had a... a, a I at least have not seen a, a the sword protection versus sword abilities be so uh, diverse because mm-hmm. of the abilities, uh, Sword of War and Peace I think has the worst abilities of the three swords because the other two at least both of them gain tempo advantage and both of them gain card advantage. So 
uh, you get a token with with sort of body in mind, which is a virtual card. Yeah. You make your opponent discard a card with sort of feast and famine, which is an actual card. Yeah. But neither of them have the relevant protection spells. Yeah. So you know you have protection from Moreland hot tokens. You have protection from burn spells. You have protection from uh, a bunch of the other flyers in the format. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you put it on an Inkmoth Nexus or a token of your own. So I think that it's it, it's just an interesting comparison. To see, and sometimes the life gain is relevant, and sometimes the the damage is also relevant. So, well, the thing is, that the, the the thing about sort of war, sort of war and peace is that uh, much like kind of the end of the Cobbler era, a lot of decks are sort of aggro control that, that want to play it, and so what you end up with is a card that is both good against control decks because it ends the game faster, mm-hmm. and good against aggro decks because you gain you gain sure, life sure. return. I mean, you know, how do you how does the the mirror matchup beat your opponent gaining five and you losing? Four turn or something. Right. Yeah. And so I expect uh, the red decks to all be main decking Torch Fiends. Torch Fiend's huge. Torch Fiend is a card that I want to play four of in for the foreseeable future. Yeah. He's very, very good. The guy's awesome. Um, well, let's talk about, uh, since you're on the subject of Torch Fiend, I'm sure you have a nickname for Torch Fiend. We're going to talk about Darkest Engine nicknames. So, Ruben, you've been... Uh, I've been I've been collab- oh, collaborating. I've been uh, consolidating the, t- the known... Dark Ascension nicknames into a list, and it was on Twitter a couple days What's ago. What's the hashtag for that? The hashtag for that is hashtag DKA nicknames. So if you have any of those, uh, use the hashtag DKA nicknames. Uh, you can send them. You can uh, uh, message me or, t- or tag me in your tweet, and I will. Uh, I'll retweet them. So the ones we got so far are Kitchen Stinks, <laughs> or or Basement Finks, as it's sometimes been called. So Dross Messenger, which is Dross Messenger. Okay. Uh, Sergeant Creepy Fingers. Uh, every set, for some reason, Evan Irwin and I have decided that there's either a Sergeant something or a Lieutenant something. Okay. And so I've decided that Drog Skull Reaver is Sergeant Creepy Fingers. Yeah, because he's got sure. the Creepy Fingers. Yeah. Um, uh, Stone Cold Nuts 31, our good friend Peter Johnson, sent me one fairly early on that was um, Evening Wood <laughs> for, for, for Ghoul Tree. <laughs> um, so that was a pretty good one. Learning Vengeance. Oh, that's my favorite. That's actually going to catch on. That one's, I mean, I think so, too. I think that Riley told me that one, which is, uh, he's at Spongled underscore on Twitter. He's, I think he told me Learning Vengeance. But uh, that's uh, Secrets of the Dead. Ravenous Cats, of course, from Sam's Daughter here, originally, I believe, is, uh, bat, is Black Cat. Yeah. Uh, Nibbler. Although I've heard several people say they prefer Nibbles. For the Nibbles of the Mist, Nibbles of the Urn, Nibbles of the Breath, which are some uh, yeah, lim- yeah. limited all-stars. Um, I like Nicolas Cage for Hellrider, because he's in those awful Ghost Rider movies. Yeah, sure. Um, and then every time I see Russet Wolves, I call it Russet Potatoes. I, I wanted to do another one. Um, did I, didn't I respond to you for, for that one? Uh, I don't see it. If you did, it wasn't any good. I don't see it on here. No, I, I mean, like, Potato Wolves or something. I don't potato know. Wolves, sure. Yeah. That's, you know, whatever. But, like, every time I hear the word Russet, I can't help but think potatoes. <laughs> so, whatever. Um, I thought, I think that there's probably a better nickname for Lamholt Elder, that I, you know, she's the she's the nice old lady. Yeah, that turns into that, a that turns into an that has four power. Yeah, so I I have old lady cougar on here, <laughs> um, but there's got to be something better than that. So she's be more, she's just it, a nice old it, lady. Is it, it be more kind of like yeah, Clipper, yeah, yeah. Or like Cougtown? I was trying to think. Well, I was going to name it Cougar Town, but I think that'd be better for something. Stifler's mom's a good one. Okay. See, here's the thing: here, the nicknames that I like are things like ravenous cats. Yeah. Are things like that that you know learning vengeance, that, learning vengeance, 
uh, you that are catchy, yeah, catchy, yeah, yeah. and they're, they're like I cool. always like Teenage Wasteland for tech, for uh, uh, tectonic. Yeah, no, see, those are the kinds <laughs> I don't like. Those are the kinds I don't like. I don't like things like anything that's like Captain Tickles. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, never yeah. in a car to call a card Captain Tickles. Fine, like it just to me that it's just like man, like I don't th- I don't find this like, very funny. So there's also uh, the aristocrats. With my hands up in the air for Van- for Falcon Wrath Aristocrat because that torch fiend it's a joke. Do, tor- do your torch fiend. I don't have a torch fiend. Oh no, that's uh, is that? No, no, no. That's the uh, Forge Devil. Or Forge, yeah. Right, right, right. So Forge Devil has a nickname because Peter Johnson and I have this thing where it, we call it the getting ready hands, which is you put your you look at your opponent and you clap your hands. Wait a minute, and then rub them <laughs> together. So the hashtag for that is hashtag clap hashtag wait for it. Hashtag S H S H S H S H S H, which is the sound of that. That's the that's the Forge Devil, not the Torch Fiend. I don't have one for Torch Fiend, unfortunately. Then some other people sent me some. At Copy Six had a decent one that had a funny Photoshop that he sent along with it, which was Lost in the Woods is the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> and sent in the little uh, the picture of the girl staring at the camera and crying. That was very funny. Uh, careless study. I like careless study. Yeah, that's good. Looting, yeah, um, was a good one. Uh, what else we got on here? Wolf Blitzer for Immerwolf was another one that I received. I think that that one would be better if it get, if there was something that gave werewolves haste. But uh, that's that's basically the nicknames I got. So if you got any more, hashtag DKA nicknames. And we'll, uh, oh, one more. This one's not that good. I thought of it one day. Matlock. Do you remember the show Matlock at yeah. all? Heavy Matic. It was just Heavy Matlock. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> um, so anyway, if you got any more, send them in. And uh, yeah, so there you go. Nice. All right, well, let's talk around uh, DKA still. Let's talk about pre-release. Any initial thoughts on the limited format? Uh, well, I, I mean, I had a lot of fun, though going 6-0 probably helped that out a lot. Yeah, your deck was Bonkers. My deck was bonkers. Like I did not. Why don't you talk a little about like the pool you opened? Yeah, I, I ended up with a three color deck, which was okay because I had an evolving wilds and one other fixer. And I was basically I was playing blue white spirits, or as many spirits. I didn't have. I had like seven or nine spirits, something in that range, including uh, two lords, including two lords, which is kind of the, <laughs> which is pretty relevant. Though the lords did die a lot by yeah. themselves. Um, and then I had uh, I was splashing black. For such cards as uh, a, a tragic slip, uh, I had that creature that sacrifices uh, a, a human to kill something. Yeah, and Vault of the Archangel. So that guy that sacks a human is insane, right? Yeah, he's like, very good. That guy's unbelievable. There, like, I think there are three cards in. If you're drafting Dark Ascension, Instrad, Instrad, there are three cards that would make me go black white. One of them Soren, one of them's Vault of the Archangel, and the third one's that guy. Because you're just like, oh man, I have this guy. I'm just going to take all of the raise the alarms. Well, he, they, that's a re, that's a, like a basically a functional reprint of the guy from Legions. That is the same casting cost. Sack a goblin to destroy a creature, or sack, sack a zombie to destroy a creature. Pro, it was probably, it was probably think, sack a zombie. Yeah, and I remember that guy being particularly good. And yeah. since there's so many humans, like. You should that guy's easily. And he, sa- he sacks himself, and like he's not as good as you think he is because he is very slow. Yeah. Like you right. know, he costs four to activate. Yeah. Right, and, and he's like, a one one for two. And this is sometimes this is a format where you can't like play a two mana one one that will not do anything until at least turn like 
at least turn four, probably like turn. Yeah, his stats are six. pretty wussy, but right. I, mean, I played Frontier Guide in Zendikar, and that guy did the costs the same. Is also one one and had the same cost for his activation, and he's just searched for a land. See, so. I hate Frontier Guide. All right, right, well, you know. yeah, um, but I mean, like, I, I think he's good. I, he's not the kind of card where I would, if I'm drafting, I'm just going to be like, okay, auto in the black for him. Yeah. I would take him, but I probably would not be like. Right, I wouldn't first humans. pick him, but I'm just saying that if I ha- if if it was like eighth pick and I saw him and I was already in black, then right. I'd be like, all right, so black white seems like what, the way to go. What are like what, what kinds of decks that we see? Like, how, how much different is it from Industry Ad Limited? I, I only I have very small exposure to the limited format, so I, I want to get some drafts in. It's so very I, different yeah. from my perspective. There's a lot of cards that are a lot worse. Now mm-hmm. and there are some cards that are a little bit better. For example, the the big one for me is Victim of Night. Victim okay. of Night is significantly worse than it yeah. was in triple Innist- in just regular Innistrad. Sure. Um, I don't know if that's a symptom of of uh, the power level of the werewolves going up. Although uh-huh. it seems like every single flip card is, you know, at least top five pickable. Sure. Um, not every single one, but you, but, you know, yeah, yeah, you. you know, the worst flip card is like still probably going in your deck. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, like, uh, and a lot of those are, are werewolves, obviously, and, you know, every vampire is good, pretty much, and the zombies got a lot better in this yeah, set. So, you know, the value of, of Victim of Might's gone way down. Now, of course, spirits are still really powerful, and humans are still really powerful, so it's not like you're going to sideboard them. But And then Undying also changes yeah. things around a lot, because, yeah. uh, you know, you just can't... The removal in Innistrad was already not, you know, I liked it a lot, but it was not very good removal. Sure, sure. You know, you had to work a little bit for it. And, like, it really sucks when you have to work to remove something and it comes back with a plus one, with a plus one, plus one counter. Yeah. And so you can't, like, uh, especially the really cheap Undying guys are just so hard to deal with any, anywhere close to profitably. Well, Ruben was saying that the flyer that has Undying... The, oh, he um, was great. That he was just, like... MVP that he just got yeah. in for a ton of damage. He couldn't kill it. The uh, the, the colorless blue blue two two flyer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so just... I apologize that we don't know all the names. Right. It's to... like Stormbound Geist, Geist or something yeah, like that. Right. But he the reason why he never dies is he can only block creatures with flying, and he has he's a two two on dying for three. So he almost never blocks. He almost never gets blocked because everything he would get blocked by would trade with him. So unless they have like a Chapel Geist. Then he's not trading, and even if you block with the travel guys, it becomes a three-three, and then it's never dying ever again. So that thing just never blocks, never becomes block, and never eats an elimination spell. So he's just all—he's just a sulfurous vortex for your opponent. So it is—it's definitely you know we have two new lands that have gold activations, a couple more spells that have uh, gold flashbacks, and then we have all of the gold lords. So does that did that change? Like obviously that that changes the way that you're going to build a sealed deck. I mean, if you open a zombie lord, you're going to probably be way more likely to splash, you know, your silent departure and whatever. If you have a bunch of zombies and go in the blue route as opposed to building like an aggressive red black deck, um, you know, how does that change like for draft? Is that it doesn't. But but you open the dark ascension pack first. Or is it? It's yeah. not going to change. Well, that's why it doesn't change things very much because the only difference is that you get into your colors a bit sooner. We're like, or, or, or you have to right. make... Typically you, in Innistrad, you'd be in a color. You have to make more difficult decisions earlier on with Innistrad, with, with, uh, with Dark, Dark Ascension, Ascension, where you go, you know, you, you open up your first pick, and, you know, if you take that blue-white uh, Lord guy, well, you've, you know, 
that guy is only good in a deck A that has spirits and B that is blue white. Yeah. And so, you know... It's also a 2-2 two, two flyer for 3 that's so not, it, like, the worst. Yeah. It doesn't change... But still, it does force you down. Right. It do, but the back. thing is that after that, you're still... After impacts 2 and 3, you're still much more open. It doesn't necessarily change a lot of the track picks there. Uh, at least the gold cards don't so much. It just gets you into one of those tribal colors, you know, much faster than it would have in the last picks. Right. The only thing that I've noticed is that um, I have... N- uh, I can't really. Comp- I don't. I don't really know what it would look like if I had played <coughs> Triple Dark Ascension, um, but I I noticed that the Shimmering Grottos are gone out of the packs mm-hmm. a lot quicker uh, because I think that m- people are probably picking their two colors and then they find something that they want to splash, you know, they, they, or they have like a Vault of the Archangel and then pick the the Blue White Lord or something. Well, like I just that. thought it was like more interesting. Like you know, there wasn't really anything in Innistrad where you're like, well. You know, yeah, I got feeling a dread. If I can flash it back, great. But I'm not really gonna like. I'm not really gonna bend over backwards to get the blue for it. Right. A lot it's of like times, you just be like, I've got rally the peasants in my mono white deck. Yeah. I don't really need to flash it back, but I've got this one. But now you Grotto. have this cycle of cards that yeah. say, well, I, it's a very powerful effect. You know, if you get the vampire lord and you want to play red black vampires, then you know it. It's definitely like more of a reason to go into two colors. So like, I just think it'll change. The way that we draft, and and like, like I said, just from like the limited experience that I have, and like watching people play the drafts out, it looks like it, it's gonna the, the lords are add like a lot to the format, like for being uncommon, and um, they just they feel like really well designed. I think the flip side of that though is I saw a guy last night draft mono green dinosaurs. <laughs> he was just he was just stomping people with like he was just like turn forward, you know. Two three death touch spider, followed by either the four five vigilance human or the five five beast, and he had like two or three kinder catch, and he just had infinite giant animals, and you just can't answer them. Does anything kill four people in this format ever? That I Except lost, bloodlines about claustrophobia. No, four people has vigilance. Oh, gee, yeah. When claustrophobia comes into play, you tap and chance a creature. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Well, I mean, green also has naturalized. I mean, yeah. the thing is that, like, the only... The, you, you said, does, can they kill it? And the answer is no. I just feel like but that guy... I, I'm, I, I actually added him to my cube. I, I'm writing a, a Dark Ascension cube review that'll go up um, on... Uh, actually, John Medina is starting a new web, uh, website, Legit MTG, part, part of the reason why he left Star City Games. And uh, I'm gonna, I submitted a, uh, my credentials to write some cube stuff for them. So I'm Excellent. Gonna, yeah, I'm going to be getting something on there. I don't know if it'll be regular or not, um, but uh, so I'll have a cube review. But Vorpeet's one of the ones that I added. Um, I, I did have Kodama of the North Tree in my list for a long time, and I always liked him. Um, anyway, I, I, I love playing Kodama in standard, so I was <laughs> looking forward to playing yeah, like, Vorpeet, but, you know. It sucks that Vapor Snag, yeah. like, is kind of so big. But, Still. like, Vorpeet will block any guy with a Sword of War piece on it. Yep. That, it that doesn't fly, so. Um, but it... You know, we may do an, a side episode maybe sometime. I'd like to talk a little bit about Cube. So if anybody out there wants to hear us maybe do, like, a live Cube review of, like, you know, a block or something or talk about variant formats or something, I'd love to, to get back into that at some point. Um, and then we uh, we also are still in the hook to do our video game episode, which me and Sam have talked about doing. Ruben says he, he's not 100% sure if he's interested in I'm just I'm just not an <laughs> expert in, in that field. I yeah, know. but you... Your side commentary All right. would be appreciated. Okay, all right, then. I'll do that. 
Um, Why so- does Sonic need all these rings? What are the rings for? <laughs> if he liked it, he should have put a ring. Okay, fine. We're done. So that's uh, that's that's it for our, um, you know that our, our show. I actually wanted to plug something that we have coming up here in Columbus. It's just turning out to be a huge magic weekend. Yeah, um, actually enormous. Yeah, a little uh, scary. In three weeks, February twenty fifth and twenty sixth in Columbus, Ohio. At the Holiday Inn in Worthington, we'll have all the details on IncontentorMagic.com. We'll put the flyer. It's also going to be on all the vendors who are going to be there. Um, we're doing, on Saturday, is going to be at 10 a.m., we're doing a PTQ for Barcelona. That format's going to be modern. And then at 2 p.m., we're doing a Star City Games Invitational Qualifier, modern format. So if you, if you didn't do well in the first event, you can play in the 2 p.m., which is awesome, and it's going to be for... Or if you don't care about PTQs. Sure, yeah. If you don't, if you don't care about going to the Pro Tour, then just play in the ICQ. Yeah, Sleep grind, in, grind points. Have some breakfast, grind points. Exactly. And it's going to be for $500, so that's going to be insane. We're going to, we'll pay out to the top eight. And then on Sunday, we're doing another PTQ, same location. There is a group right in the hotel uh, under Comic Town. Uh, actually, Comic Town's the, the company's running it. I probably should say right. that. Um, they're doing the whole PTQ, and I'm working with them to help put some of the side events together. And uh, so 10 a.m., PTQ Barcelona, modern format. And then at 2 p.m., we're going to switch it up. We're doing a legacy Star City Games Invitational Qualifier. Same, wow. same, same deal, $500 cash. So if you are anywhere near Columbus that weekend, and it's hopefully not, uh, the weather's stayed the way it is, try to get up for this event. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be tons of uh, tons of people coming out. Um, we have some really good vendors coming that are going to be there. Obviously, all of the Incontentry guys are going to be there, and uh, we'll be representing, And um, but definitely. We'll so, yeah, the, the basically, um, there's more information to come. If you need more information, leave a comment here or email or, or yeah, Twitter. Yeah, we probably won't be shutting up about it until after it's over. Oh, so yeah, absolutely not. not but you don't have to deal with us. <laughs> You know, but there's there's no such thing as too much publicity about this because this is a huge. It's gonna be awesome. I'm it's super be a huge excited. event. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, there's four magic tor- tournaments over the course of two days, and you, there's a group raid at the hotel. Eighty. It's like eighty four bucks. I know. It's I so might. Cheap. I might just try and get some people to split a hotel with me, and I live here. <laughs> well, I'm not even kidding because I can just go downstairs. You know, there there's inside of the hotel. There's a grill room, like actual real food. Wow. Which is insane, and it's in Worthington, so you could just like walk across the streets with Chris if you want to. Yeah, so like if, you, I mean, if you're a baller, that'd be so sick. And then like just infinite podcast people will be there. Oh, there will be podcasting for yeah. sure. I'll, I'll probably have a little little get together too. So so yeah, that's gonna be great. Anyway, I think uh, that about wraps it up. You guys have anything else to add to this week? I have one. I have one thing that I thought was funny. Oh, yeah. I found a. Everyone goes to the MTG Salvation website to look at the spoiler. Yeah. Right? Uh, for the first time in my life, I found a uh, spelling error in the spoiler. Mm. They they spelled deranged outcasts creature type as rouge, r o u g e instead of r o g u e. Like the, the like blush. like the thing you put on your face instead <laughs> of the creature type. Yeah, I thought that was very funny. So, so you were really no, really I just I was that creature well, type. I was looking at deranged outcast, thinking like, man, this card should see play. Because I think that card's insane. What's the stats on it? It's 2-1 for a colorless and a green. Sack a human, put 2 plus 1 plus 1 counter. That guy's really cool. Creature. That guy's insane. Like, if there's a green-white tokens mirror, I fail to see how that guy doesn't just break the mirror. Or, like, sacrifice your Doom Travelers. Yeah. Make flyers and... And make them 3-3s, yeah. It's 
pretty cool. So I like that guy. Anyway, he's a he's a human rouge. Nice. <laughs> That's all I. Have. Thanks for the thanks for that. Yeah, yeah no, I remember. Go look at that one up yourself. That came up a lot during Lorwyn block. Rouge. Yeah, when yeah. people would be like, "Need advice on my rouge deck?" Like, <laughs> ah, rouge. Well, uh, I think that about wraps it up. Yeah. Until next week, we're in contention. <laughs>